welcome everybody. Welcome to all you who are here in this room. Welcome to everybody joining us online. I'm sure we got a lot of friends and family extended who aren't able to be in this room, who want to be here to support our graduates and seniors. Those words, you know, that Austin just sang, I just pray that it'd be an anthem uh, for your soul and for your journey ahead in the midst of all the full and fast pace of graduating season. Uh, there is an invitation that Jesus brings, right, to come and rest and keep your eyes locked on Him. And congratulations, parents, all you extended family who are here to support, and, and seniors, um, there's a couple things I want you to think about today, but before, before I get into that, uh, there's one little extra recognition I want to give today. So one of our graduates on this stage, Logan Benson, where are you at, Logan? You're in this room somewhere, right? Logan's over here. So Logan, stand up for us. So this man is the state champion for high jumping as of Friday. So Logan, congratulations, young man. So that young man, he cleared six feet, nine inches. Can you just process that for a minute? So I'm, I'm six, four. I'm built a lot like that rail that they jump over. But he's like five inches higher than me. He clears it to win the state title. And this isn't just like class 2A, 3A thing. It's like the way that works is it's all the classes. So he can jump higher than any other young man in the state of Indiana. How crazy is that? And so two state titles for that young man. Crazy, Logan. What a senior year for him. If you remember a few months ago, we had him on stage with uh, his brother, and they won a state title. Uh, Weibo won the football state title. So he had a big old giant Looked like a Super Bowl ring at your grad party yesterday. That thing is so big. So two state titles for that young man. What about a, what our senior class? How great is this senior class, right? Of course, I'm biased because I have one in the class that way. But just such a great group of seniors. And thanks to all of you who have invested. I'm just mindful on a day like today, the product of this group standing here is the result of literally years and years of prayers and instruction and counsel and teaching and serving and giving that started way down when the zones downstairs used to be named green zone, yellow zone, purple zone, all that. I remember when all you kids were in that stage and so many of you serve in our children's ministry and then through our student ministry, through Ian and Brad and Julie and so many of you who serve in all those, it's the result of all of that. And so seniors, I want to say to you today that in a sense, you are a report card on us as a church. The next stage of your lives and the steps you're going to take, the next chapter of your life and the choices you make, the decisions, the priorities you keep, the way you go about saying yes and no and what God does with your lives, in a sense, you're our SAT score for how we're doing as a church. Because this next generation value for us isn't just, well, it's a nice thing to do. This is the core of what we're doing around here. From the youngest of possible ages until we send them off from graduating Sunday off into this next chapter, and I'm sure many of them will still be around in proximity and all that, but who knows where God's going to take their lives. Like, this is the SAT report card on us as a church, so no pressure, but you guys are going to, I think, kill it. I think it's going to be an amazing journey, and we get to kind of ride the wave of the fruit of all of those investments. So if you wonder what we're about around here, this stage this morning and these young lives before you is a picture front and center of what we're about and why we think it's a really big deal around here, that we want to invest and pray and guide and counsel and believe in, and we stand with you, and your ch church family is behind you every step of the way, everything you step into. You need to know several hundred people in this Eagle Church family believe in you, pray for you, stand with you, and support you. And so what I thought about for today 
was what, what might Jesus sit and talk with a congregation of folks who are sending out 17 seniors? What conversation might Jesus have with us as a body? And I landed on Matthew 13. So if you have a Bible with you, open up Matthew 13. And I'm going to just take us through a little story. I think Jesus is the best storyteller the world has ever heard or seen. He told a lot of stories, 32 of them in the New Testament. And this is a parable. And I think seniors, I specifically think this might be a conversation he would have with you. But I think even more broadly with us as a church on a Sunday like this. So here's the story. Uh, Matthew 13, verse 3. It's in your message notes. You can pull up the app as well. You can download the app and get it electronically there. Verse 3. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And he summarizes this section by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. So when you read Jesus' stories, here's kind of a... The key to unlock interpreting them is you look for the changing element in the story. What's the variable of the parable gives you insight into what is Jesus getting at. So in this story here, is the variable the farmer? Is it it a story about good farmers and bad farmers? No, it's the same farmer handling his responsibilities. Is it a story about seed, good seed and bad seed? No, it's the same seed being sown generously. What's the variable in the story in this case is the soil, right? So we've got a changing soil condition. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is have us do a little soil analysis together. And I want you to insert your heart my heart, your life, my life, where you see the word soil. And I just want us to reflect on the condition of the ingredients in here for a few minutes. And we're going to look at four soil conditions. And the first one Jesus said to think about is there's this soil that can happen on the inside of our lives called hard soil. Did you see that in the story? He unpacks it now in verse 18 and following. He says this in verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. So you love that when Jesus does that, he like, he tells you what it's going to mean. Isn't that helpful? Like when you're reading the parable, he says, hey, let me tell you what I really meant there. And so for me, you guys remember the journey with my rose bush that started back in February? Those of you around for Valentine's Day, I got, our, I got the girls in my house. Instead of like individual roses, I had this great idea that I thought, I'm going to get a rose bush and I'm going to plant this thing eventually and it's going to grow and it's just going to keep producing roses. Well, we tried our best to keep it alive through the, what felt like a really extended winter season into a really long wet spring where you just couldn't ever plant anything outside. I planted it outside last week and I brought you a picture. Check it out. Here's what our rose bush looks like. What do you think? What do you think, guys? So you all have permission to come by our house now. I, I just have this, I've got great faith that that thing is just going to flourish and just, or... Who knows, the next time you come by, if you see it turning more and more brown. Here's the point, though. So here's what Jesus said to me. is like, I'm not very good at all with any of the plants. I need like Sally Myers and these other people in my life who can help me figure out how to make these things grow. But here's what Jesus would say. Hey, Simpson, there's something 
in the work you're doing and trying to help get that plant grow, just like Jesus to use that and say, I want you to think about how a soul grows. How does the heart get healthy and flourish? If we get the ingredients of the soil right, that thing's going to flourish. And if you get them wrong, it's going to look like kind of what that one looks like. And the first soil condition, Jesus said, is this hard soil. Verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So first soil condition, kind of first point of analysis is, Lord, where are the hard packed places in my heart these days? I want you to think of hard soil like closed, deflective, not interested in really internalizing the things of God, just, just hardened that way. And it's, you think of it like a path. So in Jesus' day, they would, they would travel the animals to the feeding troughs and the watering holes, and they would just create hard, packed paths, which in my mind today might be, when you think of our college campuses, you think of this image on our college campuses, right? So you look at an image of like how, this is how it works on college campuses, right? You notice how the sidewalk is there where the maintenance department put this, that's where the students are supposed to walk. And then maintenance guys, if you really want to know where the sidewalk should go, just look at where the college students walk, right? And you see that guy, right? That classic? That's how it works on all the college campuses, right? Jesus said, when the seed falls on soil like that, that's hard packed, it doesn't, have, it doesn't stand a chance. And there are places in my heart where I can just see that, you know, it's just kind of trampled down. It's just deflective. It's, it's closed. It, it's just not real receptive to the things of the Spirit. And say, well, what causes hard-packed soil? You know, one of the things I've experienced in life where you just realize sometimes it can get a little hard in here when you experience a deep-rooted disappointment, either from a person or from God himself, that you had these expectations of how a person was going to treat you, how a relationship was going to go. Your expectation was here. Your reality was here. You know what can kind of fill that gap sometimes? Hard soil. Or your expectation that God was going to come through this way, he was going to answer that prayer and come through like this, and reality was somewhere down here. And sometimes hard soil can fill that. Or, or, or sometimes hard soil can be you're on the receiving end of some stuff that was done in Jesus' name that didn't have anything to do with Jesus. Anybody been there? Stuff done in Jesus' name that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. Or maybe you had contact with church or religion and you just experienced something that just kind of went against the grain of your soul. And it's just, the soil can just get hard. Or if you're honest, it can be a little bit hard based on selfishness and pride. You're like, I, I'm not interested in what God has to say because I want to run my life the way I want to run it. And I think I'm pretty good at it, God, so I got this. So we just kind of spiritual Heisman God is another way of hard-packed soil stuff. Where you just kind of stay closed and you stay deflective and you stay, keep them at an arm's length. Or another way hard soil can come is when you're, when you're just baseline bound in fear for the unknown. You're like... If I let the seed of God's word get in there and start flourishing, where's that going to go? It feels a lot out of my control. And if you're honest, maybe fear of the unknown or the uncertainty about what a flourishing life with God looks like can keep you staying in the hard soil. So just a little analysis time. I just want you to think about, are there, are there some places in your heart that, that might be having some strands of hardness in it? Jesus said, I think we need to think about this. And then he adds a second soil condition, and it's the shallow soil. Look at verse 20. 
the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places, is the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. So first soil condition is hard packed. The second one is shallow soil. So in Jesus' day, in that area of the world, the Middle East, Palestine area, like rock was the norm and dirt was a bonus. For some of you, it's when you moved into your new home. It's kind of how the home builders do it today. When you get your front lawn, it's like, you know, I'm amazed at how the front yard can just be filled with so much rock. And I remember when we were building our house, I asked what happened to the topsoil. And I remember the builder explained to me, oh, we took all the topsoil away. I said, well, where did you put it? He said, well, we take it all away and we leave you with all this because then you have to buy it back from us. Is anybody else struck by this? I go, wait, that was topsoil that was on here, right? Like, I guess it didn't come with the price of the lot, you know? But, like, I was trying to grow grass on what was basically concrete, right? Indiana clay combined with a bunch of leftover concrete from my driveway that was screwed in there. And Jesus said, your grass doesn't stand a chance in that. There's no chance in that. You've got to work with the soil when it's shallow. So here's a marker for shallow soil. When you're quick to quit, that's what Jesus is saying. You see this, shallow soil? In the spiritual life, shallow soil, when you're just, when life gets hard, when things are just not the way you thought they were going to be, and you just kind of, you just quit. A job gets hard, you're out. A relationship gets hard, you're out. Church life gets messy, you're out. Some small group, life group, oh, there's some complicated, you're out. Marriage, family life gets, you're out. Like whenever things get hard, and if your mode is just, quick to bail and quick to quit, or the opposite would be a lack of steadfast endurance, a stick to where you just stay, and you just try to stay faithful, and you just keep grinding, and you put one foot in front of the other, and you're just steady and stay and keep at it. Like when that quality is missing in the soil in here in the heart, Jesus said it's shallow, shallow soil. Now, here's what I found with shallow soil. Like, I want depth. I just want it quick. You know that topsoil grows one inch per 100 years? Did you know that? Because I was asking, like, hey, what if I just try to get my own topsoil? I don't need to buy it back from the builder. What if I just try to grow it myself? Oh, one inch for 100 years. I'm like, well, that's not good. I don't know how to grow much, Sally, but I know that I'm going to need to do something better than that. I want depth in my I just want it now. Anybody else? I just, that's not how it works. Seniors. Right, to navigate, like to develop depth in your life over this next chapter, do you know that that takes time? Breath happens quickly, depth takes time. So, your lives, young people, so seniors, your lives are going to want to spread out so quickly, and here's what you're going to have to work on pay attention to driving the wells deeply down into Jesus and his streams of living water. Go deep now. This is a season of your life for depth. Go deep in his word, deep in relationships, deep in the spirit. Pay attention to the things that God wants you to pay attention to. Drill those wells deeply now because for the rest of your life, you're going to draw upon that. So build depth now. And I think what we have is a culture that's so enamored with elevating our youth so quickly into such high positions of leadership, they get there and it's like they don't have any topsoil. It's like that. It's, there's no depth. 
And so what and then we're so shocked when they're kind of crashing and burning on choices and decisions and leadership. How does that happen? It's because we've thrust them too quickly into it. We haven't given time for the soil of the soul to develop depth. They're just caught up in shallow stuff. So examination. Any shallow places in the heart these days? Just kind of where Jesus was, kind of rocky spots. You're trying to grow something there, and it's just trying to grow on concrete there. Third soil condition I called cluttered. Look at verse 7. He said, other seed fell among thorns. It grew up and choked the plants. Verse 22, he unpacks it. He says, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. Follow this now. But the worries of this life, circle that in your Bibles, and the deceitfulness of wealth, circle that one. Worries and wealth. Now, it's not the sin, the, the wealth itself is the deceitfulness. He said either the love of money, the pursuit of it, being enamored with it, that whole thing. Worries and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So the first soil condition is hard packed. The second one is shallow. And the third one, Jesus said, you got to look out for is cluttered soil. It's just kind of cluttered up with stuff. You know how cluttered our life can become with all kind of chronic busyness, frantic distraction. Like it's just cluttered up. We're just, we're just going so many different directions, caught up in so many different things, accumulating so much, especially in suburban North America. And I came across this quote. I loved it. Paul Pearsall. See if you enjoy this word here. He says, go ahead and leave stuff out. There's nothing sacred about always putting stuff away. This is probably not helpful for the teenagers in the room, but hang with me, parents. If you find yourself in a hide-the-stuff panic every time there's an unexpected knock at the door, you probably just have too much stuff. Maybe your visitor could take some of your stuff when he or she leaves. If you don't want to make your bed, shut the bedroom door and pretend it's made. Yes, how many times we've done that. Allow spoons in the fork pile of the silverware drawer. Write the word joy in the dust on the table sometimes. He says, dusting is only a process of small particle rearrangement. Yes, right? So Jesus said our hearts can just get so cluttered up with so many things. The worries of this life. I want you to think of worries and the pursuit of wealth this way, where you make the love of money and worries are like two hands that get around the throat of your soul and choke the life out of it. And you got to navigate this. you got to think through, what are the things that are just, I'm buried with worry. The Bible word worry is called merim naho, and it means to be choked with concern. We can get so wound up, we're, we're worried about the kids, we're worried about the kids' friends, we're worried about the finances, we're worried about health, we're worried about work, and then we sit around and we're worried about all the things that we're not thinking about that we should be worrying about, but we're not. And we're just all caught up in this massive pile of anxiety and worry. And Jesus said, if you're not careful, the soil of your heart can become so cluttered up with all that stuff. That seed doesn't stand a chance. It's going to get choked out. So you look at the hard soil, you look at the shallow soil, and then you look at the cluttered or weed-infested soil, and then he's got the fourth soil condition that I'll just call the good soil. And how did he say it this way in verse 23? But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands that he produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. And I want you to think of the good soils like soft, deep, uncluttered, receptive. 
I want you to think of that. When you think of good, think soft, deep, uncluttered, receptive. Jesus said when the seed finds that soil, oh, it'll take your breath away. Take your breath away now. But I don't know about you, when I look at these four soil conditions, here's a couple of reflections for me. It's like, I got like a mixed bag of all those soils in some places of my heart all at the same time. Anybody else thinking about this? It's not like there's just one exclusive soil for the whole heart for one time. That's not how this works. And I think too much of my life I thought about this. I thought in that way. No, I think it's like the better way to ask is where are the hard-packed places in my heart? Because it can be simultaneously right beside some really good soil too. But then if I'm honest, there's some areas of my life that are more hard-packed or there's something that's a little shallow over here or there's something that's a little cluttered up over here. But boy, when that seed when it finds that soft and that deep and that uncluttered soil, oh, it'll take your breath away. And that seed is strong, church, right? If you just give the seed a crack, hang on to this image right here. I found this image of a blade of grass growing up through concrete. I think this is a great picture for us. We think just give the blade of grass a crack. Do we have that picture, V? The blade of grass through the concrete? Just give it a, no? All right, all right. Just picture Picture this, because I was spraying like my driveway this week, and I was like spraying weed killer on this grass that was coming right up through the concrete. You like it just you just give that. I mean, right through the concrete, there's this blade of grass coming up, and I thought, man, that seed is strong. And somebody in here hearing this, just know right now, there, hey, there might be some really hard packed places, there might be some really shallow places, there might be some really cluttered places. And here's a word you need to hear today: just give it a crack. Just give the seed of God's word a crack because it's strong. It's watered by the Spirit, and it can produce a crop 30, 60, 100-fold. There can be marriages restored that you never thought could be restored. There can be parent-child relationships redeemed and resurrected that you wrote off a long time ago. There can be patterns of addiction broken that you thought there's no way that could ever change. There can be attitude and behavior change you thought, that's never going to, and it can be changed. Like when you give the seed of this word a crack, God said you, and Jesus said, hey, Where's that? Where's the good soil at in the heart these days? So soil analysis time. Where's the hard pack? Where's the hard packed places? Where's the shallow places? Where's the cluttered up place? And then where's that good spot? When you prioritize paying attention to that soil and you get the ingredients soft and deep and uncluttered, something like what happened in Kiev, Ukraine in 2004. I close with this. In 2004, in Ukraine, there was, back in that era, the Soviet Union, lots of sections of it were transitioning from what was the communist run to the democracy, and that was going in different places better than others, you know. And the Ukraine, there was a candidate who wanted to bring democracy to the forefront, and the traditional communist party was obviously very against and this was one of the candidates. His name was Viktor Yushchenko. Here's a picture of Viktor. So Viktor himself, do we have a picture of Viktor? There we go. So this is Viktor Yushchenko on the left before he was poisoned by the Communist Party in when he was running for office. So that's what he looked like after the poison. They almost killed him. His family said, Viktor, you need to get out of the election. Like they want to kill you. 
And he said, no, I'm staying in the election. He's trying to bring democracy to this land. And so the, the election came, and they did all their voting, and in classic kind of corruption mode, they, Victor was leading by 10-plus percentage points going into the vote. And then at the end of the voting ballots, the uh, leading Communist Party came forward and decided, you know what, we're just going to toss out all this other votes. We're going to basically rig the election such, and we're going to announce to the public this is what they announced. They broadcast this on state-run television. They said, ladies and gentlemen, we announced that the challenger, Viktor Yushchenko, has been decisively defeated. That's what they announced, though he won by over 10 percentage points. Well, what they didn't know was there was a young lady named Natalia Mitrik, who was deaf. She was born and raised in Ukraine by deaf parents. And she was responsible for signing the government-sanctioned messages onto the screen. So she heard the message from the government, and she knew the truth of what happened. So this young lady, brave and courageous, stands, risks her whole life when she receives the message from the state-run television that Viktor Yushchenko has been defeated, she signs in the lower right-hand corner of the large screen of televisions through the Ukraine. The lower right-hand corner is the deaf translation box. And here's what she signed out. She said, I am addressing all the deaf citizens of Ukraine. Don't believe what the authorities say. They are lying. I am ashamed to translate the, these lies. Viktor Yushchenko is our president. She translates this out. Okay? The deaf community is really the only ones. I mean, all these other folks, the, the, the Communist Party, they're all celebrating their victory, and the deaf community has the truth. And so they begin to circulate the truth through all their channels. They get the word out that Viktor Yushchenko has indeed won. And they decide to band together under the color orange, and they created what they called an orange revolution all through the country. And they invited them all to the center square in Kiev. And here's the scene three weeks after the election. Here's the scene in the center of Kiev. One million Ukraine residents showed up in the center wearing orange, mainly the deaf community and then all of their connections. And basically, as a result of all of that, the entire election got flipped and Viktor Yushchenko was installed as president. 2004 Ukraine, you can look it up and read all the other details about this story. But how about Natalia Mitri? How about that young lady? So graduates, my closing word is this. You're not going to lack for messages from the large screen in our culture today. Hear me now, graduates. If you've checked out and been counting light bulbs for a while, come on back for this last part right here, okay? You're not going to lack for the large screen messages. Hear this. But if you will prioritize paying attention to the small screen of truth in the lower right-hand corner that Jesus is speaking and leading you in, I'm telling you, when the seed of that word finds good soil in all of your hearts, it's going to take your breath away. Can you imagine, church, the orange revolution God could launch through these young people that were on our stage today? And graduates, it can happen.
I entitled this morning A Revolution of Goodness and Light because I believe if you will pay attention to the condition of the soil in here, if you'll fight hard for that good soil, if you'll look for soft and deep and uncluttered places, if you'll prioritize just giving it a track, and if you'll pay attention to the small screen of truth down in that lower right-hand corner, students, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to decide right now that you're going to look for that screen of truth, and you're going to band together with others. Hear this. You've got to find some others who are paying attention to that small screen, and you're going to say, you know what? I know the large screen's saying this. I'm not going that way. That's hard soil. That's cluttered soil. That's rocky soil. That's weed-infested soil. I'm going right down there, and you could leave a legacy like Natalia Mitrick left, where she stood up, and she paid attention. That little small screen down there, and a revolution was launched. So I want you to dream big, graduates. Sky's the limit for you guys. Dream big. Who knows what God might do with your lives? And know this, we stand behind you and we believe with you. And we'll hold you to When we run into each other on breaks and such like that, graduates, here's what I'm going to ask you. Hey, you paying attention to the small screen in the lower right-hand corner? And you know what I mean then. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for our graduates again. Thank you for their families. Thank you for all you've built in their lives. And, and I pray, Lord, for our own soil in our hearts. Lord, as we even look at our soil this morning, just where's the weedy places? Where's the hard-packed places? Where's the stuff that's cluttered up and shallow? And God, do a work. I pray that as a church, Lord, we'd be the kind of community that cultivates a, a good soil, soft and deep and uncluttered. And, and we want to give the seed of your word a crack, Lord. Would you just take our breath away with what you're springing forth? Pray that you'd ripple out orange revolution type stories from this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to wrap up with a final song. This is when we receive our tithes, our offerings, our communication card. This is where you can let us know how we can be connected to you. If you've got questions about ministries around here, use that connect card. And then we've got a prayer team that we pray over all the prayer requests that get submitted. So use that. Those of you online, you can let your online hosts know how we can be praying and supporting you. They'll help get those uh, messages to the right place as well. And this is our time where we receive our offering. So this is where we get to give back our resources to support. You know, a big part of how these 17 students are in front of you this morning, you know, it, it takes a lot of dollars to do what we're doing here with all these kids. And all of you have written checks and sacrificed to help build into them. That's how this works. And if you're a guest here, you don't need to feel any obligation to be a part of this. But as a church family, this is what we're about. We want to see a revolution of goodness and light launched. And we believe it's going to happen one life at a time. And we're committed to cultivating good soil and launching off a whole bunch, right, of Natalia Mitrix out into this world. And so let's stand together. Ushers, come forward. Team's going to lead us in a song here.